0: You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com.
2: Welcome to Cinematic Heartland, a filmmaking podcast. Join my co-host, Mike Godfrey, and myself, Kevin Isaacson, as we talk to filmmakers from across the heartland. You'll hear their insights, thoughts, trials, tribulations, and celebrations as they continue to pursue their dreams far from the sparkling lights of Hollywood. So sit back, grab a cold beverage, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Cinematic Heartland. First of all, my co-host, Michael Godfrey. How you doing, Michael?
1: Good, e- good evening. I'm doing fine. <laughs> good evening.
2: Uh, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you doing? Absolutely nothing? Okay, we can move well... along. So. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> wow, you're not even
1: giving my five seconds. <laughs> So the season's starting to warm up, and camping is just around the corner, so I thought I'd brush up on some of my wilderness survival skills. Uh, Dave Canterbury is one of my favorite uh, 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 survivalists and things like that. And for a little more light reading, I thought I'd do the worst-case scenario handbook. Awesome. So you do that. You yeah. You do that.
2: What is it called? Primitive camping? or Prim-
1: Primitive camping, yeah. 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 So, and then I haven't started this yet, but this looks pretty interesting. The SAS handbook, self-defense handbook. Yeah, you so. probably need
2: that when you're mm-hmm. primitive camping. So,
1: cause I might, <laughs> I might come up a, against a bar, a bar, <laughs> a bar.
2: Uh, let's so, see what have that's about it for me. i trying to remember what I've been watching here. I watched the Andy project off of your recommendation. Okay. Loved it. And I loved it. Okay. Um, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. He's it still was, the kind of smart aleck snipe-y type person, but
1: right. But it was he's, toned he's down a little aleck, bit. Smart aleck, but he wasn't trying to. He wasn't trying to be funny, not in this film. He wasn't trying to be funny, right. and I, I thought that was that was great because all the time you see like Deadpool or any of his other hundred films that he's done, Underground Six or Six Underground, he's always the funny guy who trips up, and you know that's the laugh. And I don't always like to see that. And so when I saw him in Free Guy, he was funny. But he was also kind of an innocent funny, right? And then when I saw this film, I was like, oh, he's going to be a smartass again. And and he really kind of was, but he wasn't trying to get the laugh every Mm -hmm. time. So I was kind of impressed with that.
2: The kid they have in it was perfect casting. (laughs) <laughs> he plays an excellent younger. <laughs> he really <laughs> was. I guess <laughs> Yeah, he really I was. do believe I heard that he actually learned every line from the Deadpool movie. The kid oh, did. Really? <laughs> He's actually a huge Ryan Reynolds fan. so. Um, it shows. Yeah. So watch that. Um, I'm reading a book. I don't even have it with me. You're more prepared tonight than I was. But uh, it's called *The Good Daughter* by Karen Slaughter. Who uh, Karen Slaughter is okay. quickly becoming my favorite author. Love her writing style and uh, really yeah. a fast-paced gra- graphic I've, book.
1: I've heard of her. Yeah, yeah I've, I've read of two of
2: her books now and uh, really enjoy it. So I'm gonna have to pick up some more. Um, but enough about us because we have a very special filmmaker with us tonight on Cinematic Heartland. We've been waiting for this one. I saw him on uh, Indie Social. A while back, kind of our sister podcast over there, our good friends, Brittany and uh, Michael and Dylan and Kevin, right? <laughs> they have a yes. Kevin too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Michael James Minor joins us on Cinematic Heartland. How you doing, Michael?
0: Uh, I'm doing great. It's gonna be a tough act to follow with uh Michael starting out with like survival guides and <laughs> like basically basically what I took from that is like if if the zombies come. <laughs> I'm gonna take all of my gear and my firearms. I'm just gonna go find Michael, and we're gonna live in the woods. That's that's all I got from that.
1: I, I think we can. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm friends with
2: him is because of a possible zombie apocalypse. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm loaded. I'm loaded for bear and zombies. Mm-hmm. So
2: uh, Michael, the Michael Minard. <laughs> you know, it's Michael, Michael, and Kevin. It's it's really one of those one of these things. Does not belong here right these things ain't like
1: you
0: can just call me mike
2: okay i'll call you mike
0: just call me mike call michael Meyer. i mean i answered the worst in the military so you can call <laughs> me whatever you want <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll keep it clean here relatively
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll try i already warned you i'm the one you got to look out for it, like i so, said so. we'll put a disclaimer if we
2: get a little <laughs> wild on here so uh but let's start off can you tell us a little bit about yourself
0: Uh, Yeah, so um, my name is Michael, as Kevin (laughs) elegantly put it. Um, I have just gotten into filmmaking as of in the last three to four years. I currently work at KWWL in the marketing and promotion department. Uh, I don't really work with the newsroom too much. Uh, My job there is more or less to film and make commercials for the station um so i do everything from sponsored events like the empty bowls event or the uh volunteer spirit stuff or just kind of things like that to hey we need you to go out and film this so that we can put a promo together for the station itself so um they're kind of using utilizing my filmmaking abilities for the new station itself um go back a little bit farther. I guess I grew up in a small town of Reetland, Iowa, which is like northeast of Waterloo. Um, I, yeah, I didn't, I mean, pretty average childhood, um, graduated high school in 2007 and, um, At the time, I kind of played music for a few years. So didn't really get into film or college or anything of that sort. Um, And then we kind of had a falling out. I moved back in with my dad at the age of 23. And it was like, uh, what do you want to do with yourself? So I was like, I guess I'm going to join the army. So I joined the Army, and then when I got out, I took advantage of the free school. And at that point, it really made a serious effort to try to do film and things like that. So I guess all caught up, here we are. So if, uh, if you have any questions, I can elaborate on that. But it was a pretty just yeah. middle of the road growing up through the 90s childhood. Nothing special. So
1: a lot of people that we uh, are affiliated with, I guess, um, none of us have ever gone to film school. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and we have talked to some of the other interviewees about you know film school and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on film school versus non-film school?
0: Well, I will say the same thing. Um, I, I had some time to think about it since my my indie social appearance, uh, so this podcast hopefully is a little bit more polished because I did listen back to that one, and I was like, could have said that better. <laughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me. But um, What I what I told Dylan at the time when he asked me was uh, like, what's the difference between going to film school and not going to film school is I'll start out by saying one of my favorite things about filmmaking is it's one of those crafts where it's very easy to tell either you got it or you don't. Um, Obviously, if you watch a film made by someone who doesn't know what they're doing, you can be like. That person needs to practice more or That person needs to put in more work Or develop more time Or like they really need to kind of Harness their craft a bit better Whereas then if you watch something uh, That's good You're like oh my gosh that was incredible Like I I want to figure out What this person's about I want to figure out like what other movies they've done So with that being said That also applies to film school And non-film school uh, In both there's people that got it And there's people that don't. Um, The only difference between film school and non-film school, honestly, is the piece of paper. Um, Kevin and I could apply for the same job, even though he might even have more years of experience, like just putting his feet on the ground and doing it. But because I have that piece of paper, I'm more likely to get hired over Kevin. So really, it's almost like any career field. Um, Really, that's the only difference because, um, yeah, at film school, like you learn technique and you learn, um, you know, cinematography, the reasons why you do things, the reason why you don't do (laughs) things. I mean, you can go over everything. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're going to learn lighting techniques and camera angles and how to just run different equipment. But like I said, my favorite thing about film is either you got it where you don't, and so someone who takes no film school has no education, but makes like an iPhone 11 movie that is just incredible. Okay, well they got it. Like they understand the art of cinema, they know what they're doing. And then you can have people. I will. I won't say any names, but I did have a few classmates where you know they really wanted to pursue filmmaking, but when you watch the projects they turn in, you're just kind of like. so i mean it it goes both ways but really the only difference long answer short is just the piece of paper that's it
2: so you you got out of the military and you decided to go to film school Mm -hmm. um what sparked your interest in filmmaking what kind of led you down that path
0: if i really I, i which i did think about it um if i really thought about it i think filmmaking was always in my blood Um, I was one of those kids growing up that had like, uh, like my parents VHS video camera and I would run over all over town with my friends and we would do different skits or just film stupid stuff. So like, I think it was kind of always there, even though I didn't realize it. Um, but basically where my film career really took off was my passion for music. So when I was playing in like metal and rock bands and things like that sort, um, I I guess I'm kind of stingy and just didn't want to pay people to do anything for me. I just wanted to learn how to do it myself. So very quickly, it was like, I know how to write music, but now I want to learn how to record it. So I taught myself how to record. And then it was like, well, now I have this album, but I don't have any artwork for it. So I taught myself how to do artwork for it. And now I have this album and artwork, but I don't have any music videos for it. So then I taught myself how to do music videos. And after a few music videos like that, underground lying passion for making film was like screw music videos like I want to make movies and so <laughs> it just it took off and ironically now I don't even play music anymore like um, I mean you can see guitars and stuff behind me but honestly I haven't probably picked them up in a year two so it's it's really taken a back burner I'm just like the only thing I think I love more than filmmaking is golf. And unfortunately, I'm not good enough at golf to make a career out of it. So filmmaking is where it's at. So
2: so I've noticed a few of our guests recently have had some type of connection with music or musical background. Both uh, Mike and I played in a band, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, not the rapper.
0: <laughs> I, I will admit, though, I, I am envious that you guys even had that name for a while because I've always told like Machine Gun Kelly fans or haters either way. I'm like, you got to admit, MGK, Machine Gun Kelly is a pretty sweet name. It is a nice name. Well, it was a gangster. He was an actual real honest-to-goodness
1: gangster. I always
0: uh, always make the joke like, I mean, that's like me putting a solo album out and just called Babyface or something (laughs) like that, you
2: know? (laughs) A a little background on that before the rapper even came about. Uh, back when we were still playing out as Machine Gun Kelly, we actually got sued from a band out in New Jersey who had actually trademarked the name. They they went yeah. through the entire process of actually trademarking Machine Gun Kelly. And so we got a letter from their lawyer that we had to stop using that name. and And at that time, we actually had several other Machine Gun Kelly bands reach out to us asking if we got the same letter. There was... We met a band from St. Louis. They were Machine Gun Kelly. We met a band from New Orleans. They were Machine Gun Kelly, and so yeah, it was a popular name back then. Yeah.
0: Well, now I wonder if MGK is MGK because he couldn't take Machine Gun Kelly. Could be. <laughs> it's quite possible. Yeah. yeah right. Maybe that, in that same that same band that got you guys by the guy. Might named- have. It was quite a few have...
2: years ago, so I don't know if he ever kept the trademark up and
1: active. Unfortunately, yeah, I've never heard anything from that band, so no. look where it got him.
2: So uh, I recently saw your film, The Void, which is very cool, mm-hmm. very cool. Um, can you tell us about that film, first of all?
0: Yeah, that uh, really where it stemmed is up until this point, um, I mean, it go it kind of goes without saying. Like, I think you might fall into the trap a little bit. You, Kevin, uh, is it's it's always easy to make horror movies when you're first getting into making short films, just because they're for some reason the easiest thing to do. <laughs> uh, so I got tired of just making like horror films, and uh, a friend of mine he had said, you know, one day I would really like to do like a, some type of sci-fi themed film, whether it's like a short film, a feature-length film. I've just always wanted to do one, and I would really. You know, I'd really like to make that happen someday. And so I I got this idea in my head, and um, I found out it was not an original idea, so I wasn't stealing on purpose, but I came up with the concept of a father's son is kidnapped, and he's trying to get in contact with them. And it just happens to be aliens that took his son, which I, I found out there's a movie that was a feature length that was kind of similar to that. So it was not on purpose. But um, So, we, I mean, we went with that, but really how that sparked was the, the suggestion from my friend, but then also I just wanted to do something different out of the horror genre and stuff like that. I wanted to do... Just I wanted to, I guess, test my abilities uh, and prove to myself, like, hey, you can do something else besides horror. You don't just have to stay in that genre. Because I've never really even considered myself a horror filmmaker. Um, I've just always referred to myself as a filmmaker uh, because I obviously had plans of doing other things down the road. And so I didn't really want to fall into that category. So it's kind of a way for me to prove to myself that I could do it, but then also not be type. I guess cast it into that that horror genre. Uh, probably very similar. Uh, I don't know which film came first, but like it, if, it's like if you went from Tea Party uh, to that film that you had that was at the theme park oh, like yeah, at the, the top of the Ferris world. wheel. Yep. So yeah, so it's kind of like you saying like, hey, I can do other things besides just scary movies or or whatnot. So
2: I had thought about it after we did Tea Party. You know, do we come out with another? type of horror movie like that or do we just go a different direction and and uh with me i pretty much film what comes to me you know whatever story you know I,
1: but you do have sort somewhat of a fixation on death yeah Kevin. yeah i do
2: yeah i do <laughs> yeah um but yeah i kind of take it in a different direction so it's whatever genre comes to me that's what i happen to film and it's i don't think at least so far we haven't gone out say you know we want to make a drama or we want to make uh, a horror film. So then I write down specifically to write a horror film. Even Tea Party was a dream that just came to me and I wrote it down and it, and it turned out to be, you know, a horror film. Um, with uh, Oliver Short, which was our first film. When I started writing that it was actually a straight up drama or no, it is a horror film. And then we went to a straight up drama uh, because the mm-hmm. horror film angle of it just wasn't working and so i just switched some things around and it ended up being kind of just a straight drama type story but so um i wanted to mention though with the void mm-hmm. is when i saw that i was blown away by the look of it you have a very i've seen it in the entity too you have a very classic mm-hmm. style look um you can probably hear my dog barking in the background here. But. Hey, that's that's <laughs> fine.
0: Uh, out of frame, I have my corgi and my half pit, half lab laying <laughs> on the couch. So at any point, they may, might make just as many noises. So.
2: Um, but I noticed the coloring of it and the shot choices, was <coughs> it was very much like a <coughs> godfather look to it. And it just blew me away. It was a very classic style
0: i mean i haven't been told that uh yet so i mean i certainly appreciate it um really so the the coloring in the entity um i was I, I did that uh full-heartedly uh but then the coloring uh from the void was actually done by kevin thorne uh who was basically my right man uh, right man all the way through like all my short films up until he took a break, but I will say I do have good news. Uh, he is back and he is actually involved in my uh, feature length film, the sever, uh, the dead man walking. So I am excited about that. Uh, but yeah, he, he went on hiatus for a while and there was like a big empty hole in my heart. Like I've, I've said on Indie social, cause uh, really what it comes down to is he's been my DP since the start. Uh, and so that, like like yes the color grading does do a lot for the overall film's appearance but like Kevin and I have a very similar directing style at least visually on what we want to see and so anything we film we're always bouncing ideas off of and talking about our depth of field and things like that uh and so I cannot as much as I appreciate it, and I've never been told that I have a classic look which I fully appreciate because everything you just said, like the Godfather is some of my favorite movies. Um, but uh, a lot of that credit needs to go to Kevin Thorne. I can definitely not take a hundred percent credit for that look. So uh, we're just, we're a good team. Um, and so even though uh, Michael Huntington is my DP for this feature length film, um, Kevin is still, you know, going to help out. And uh, I think you're going to see, very similar outcomes with the feature length film that you do in some of these short films. So either way, I'm excited. So.
2: I I thought it was very cool. And um, Wade, the lead in that uh, it could very well easily be, I I may have mentioned this to you at one time, but it very well could have been like a Dennis Quaid. It was the same type Uh of character in that. And he just did a, Wade just did a tremendous job. I thought in that. So very impressed very impressive yeah
0: he uh he definitely caught me off guard there was a scene about halfway through where he's looking at a picture frame um of his son uh or which you're led to believe we didn't actually have a picture of his son so we just kind of winged it which is why you don't see the picture all the little things i would fix if I we've
2: done that trick before um,
0: (laughs) so it's implied uh and i think there's some audio (laughs) magic we did to uh make you Obviously, I understand he's looking at his son. Um, but I asked him, I said, so, hey, um, you know, we're going to get from this angle a real tight close-up shot of your face. Do you think I can or can can you get yourself to cry? And he goes, yeah, um, just give, give me like a minute or two. So I literally look back down at the camera and Kevin and I are going over different things and like not even 10 seconds later, look back up and Wade has like tears streaming down his cheeks. I was like, (laughs) shit, Kevin, hurry up. Like we got to hit record. So like, yeah, we, we got a great, um, a great performance from Wade and uh, that all stemmed to him initially auditioning for uh, my first short film ever, All Roads End. Um, And, I liked it a lot. And even though he didn't end up getting the role, I had asked him like, Hey, can I keep your information for future projects? And um, this one came along and I knew I'd always wanted to work with Wade. And so we were able to make it happen. And yeah, Wade did a great job. I I can't say anything bad about that guy at all. So,
2: so is the void, is that going out to uh, film festivals now or what's the future? Yeah. It,
0: it it just started its festival run. Kind of. We have some dates approaching Um, I think the first festival that it's supposed to be in is right around April 2nd so a couple of weeks away Uh, but yeah we do have some some dates approaching I think I also got it into the Midwest Sci-Fi Film Festival which I think is out of Iowa I can't remember but yeah so I mean it's I I love the film no matter what, like even if it doesn't win any awards, it's got a special place in my heart because of the people that helped uh, me with it. Like the idea was sparked from one of my best friends uh, and mentors. Uh, He's actually an instructor at Hawkeye where I went to school. Um, It was lit by a good friend of mine, a fellow classmate from Hawkeye. Uh, His name is Ty Belfie. He's a wizard. Uh, And then it was just like a really cool passion project because the crew was so small. Um, It was literally, you know, Ty, Adam, myself, um, and Kevin. And we just like busted it out. Like um, really good communication. Like I said, it was uh, me proving to myself that like, hey, you're not just in the horror genre. You're not just a small time filmmaker. Like if you want to do big budget Hollywood style stuff like you can do this. And I think it turned out absolutely great. The only thing I didn't like uh, were my special effects at the end, which I don't know enough about after effects to get into there. So literally all of the special effects at the end were done in premiere and it was just hours and hours and hours of masking around Wade and then like following him as he goes into like the UFO spotlight thing. But yeah, um, regardless of my beginner-level special effects, I think that film turned out great, and I'm certainly proud of it. It's definitely one of my favorites for sure. So, With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: So you did crowdfunding for your—is uh, it your feature film, Dead Man Walking?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that going to be a full-length feature?
0: Yes. Um, okay. I had actually—I actually changed it uh, recently. It's going to be called The Dead Man Walking. Cause okay. once again, not doing enough research, I didn't realize there was a huge Sean Penn movie called dead man walking. Dead man walking. Yeah. So we, I was like, I'll just add the, And then it's different. Yeah, so so um, you're okay with that. Yeah. So, so crowdfunding? So um, we, we made enough to be able to rent locations, uh, buy props, things like that. Uh, unfortunately we didn't meet our full goal. So, um, Luckily for me, everyone involved just kind of agreed to do it for free, and then our our aim is to sell the film to a distributor. So I kind of made everyone a promise, like, "Hey, depending on how much we sell the film, or not, not even depending, but when we sell the film, or however much it is, uh, that's all going to go back to you guys, and you'll get taken care of." So,
1: yeah. Did you find that it was?
0: Uh really
1: kind of disappointing on the crowdfunding aspect of it? Like you didn't get near as much as you thought you would or cause we've been having issues with our crowdfunding campaigns.
0: Yes and no. Um, it's certainly frustrating, but at the end of the day I have to remember that I'm a nobody and no one gives a shit about me. And so even though like I know the quality of my work and like, I know what I can do as a filmmaker. I have to understand that, um, majority of people have no idea who I am and they have no idea what my background is or anything like that. Um, so when you're asking for five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars whatever it may be, um, it's kind of a hard sell cause you're just saying, Hey, give me this free money so I can make a film. So, uh, the way I look at it is like, yes, it's definitely frustrating. Um, but this is kind of like a stepping stone for like my next film, right? So I did Crowdfund for All Road's End, and I was asking for $2,000 for the entire project. Um, that was through Kickstarter. So I think we raised like $800. And obviously with Kickstarter, if you don't make the whole thing, then they it's just a wash. You don't get any of it. Um, so with this, we went with Indiegogo cause I knew I just, I needed to get something. And so we asked for 10,000. Uh, my actual goal was around five or six cause I knew I could do it with about that much. Uh, but mm-hmm. we ended up only making after Indiegogo took their money out of it. We only ended up making like 2,800. But the way I looked at it is I made my, I asked 2000 with my first film, we made 800 bucks. I asked ten thousand for this film. We made, I think the total was thirty two, or before, uh, IndieGoGo took their portion. So then it's like, okay, well, next film, like, I could ask for fifty thousand, and we could get twelve thousand. So I mean, it's like it for me, it's like a continuation, but then it's also a way for me to remember. Like, as of right now with my career, there's not a lot of people who know who I am and or have no reason to care because I don't really have too much to show for it. But already just from like my first short film to my first feature length film, like we almost quadrupled the amount of money we actually made. And so it's it's a way for me to kind of balance where I am in my career because I just I'm assuming or I, I have to believe or hope I should say that, you know, my next film, if I do ask for 50,000, you know, maybe after people have seen the dead man walking, they're like, Oh yeah. Like this guy made this movie with, you know, $3,000. Let's see what he can do with 10 and like, Mm -hmm. just continue to work my way up and prove myself to people that like, yes, I can do this and things like that. So yes, it is very frustrating because you're just kind of like, just give me your money. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, like, at the end of the day, you kind of have to humble yourself and be like, no one knows who I am. Like, like, (laughs) yes, I've won some awards and everything else, but it's like, I didn't leave. I didn't win the Palm award at con. I didn't win at Sundance. Like no one knows who I am. So like, yeah, I have definitely a few film festival awards under my belt, but it's like, like, I mean, I can't expect people to just get basically give me money if I haven't really proved to myself that you know I deserve it kind of yet yeah it could be a
1: very humbling experience I know
2: it, it sounds like you're kind of going for the the building up method kind of like Mark Duplass always explains if you've heard him talk um mm-hmm. you know he go, go out and do a no budget film and your goal is to make three thousand off of that and then go out and make a three thousand dollar film and your goal is to make six thousand off of that and then go out and make a six thousand dollar film and your goal is to make twelve thousand and just kind of keep building uh of course that's not going out you know to the, the crowdsourcing but that's trying to make something for nothing starting off and sell it we made uh-huh. we made our first film our first feature film for nothing it's a no budget film um we learned a lot and i, I don't think it was at the point that we could make the three thousand back on it uh, but we learned a lot and hopefully our next feature film we're able to
1: and we kind of we kind of went in thinking the same thinking that way though too we're like hey we're just you know sticking our toes in the water here trying to figure out whether this is going to be a a good thing or not such a good thing so we kind of already went in thinking that but once we started filming it we thought hey you know this is actually turning out to be a pretty good it- film maybe we can make some money and we didn't really make a whole lot of money. Didn't so. make a whole lot of money off of it. <laughs> I, I, am of didn't learn I am proud of
2: the film. I am proud of the film. Yeah. And oh yeah. We have,
0: and we learned a heck of a lot. Yeah, and and that's the main thing too is um, remembering too that the biggest thing is to get out there and do it. Because um, I I feel like a lot of filmmakers just kind of sit there and they're like, well, I'm not making my crowdfunding goals, or I'm not making enough money to go out and do it, so I'm just not going to do it until I get that money but it's like if you don't do it to prove to you know potential investors that could give you money that you can do it then like they're not going off of any um, like valid proof that you can do it Um, I'm going to say this lightly because I really do like this guy and I don't think this is a bad thing but like if you look at the very very successful YouTube channel Film Riot like Film Riot has done short films. Uh, I I, I don't know if he's actually made a feature or not, but I've heard him bring up several times, um, I'm trying to get this feature-length film made and I'm waiting on funding. But it's like, that's been like a year, two years. So like, I don't know if it's a thing where he's like asking for millions of dollars and he's just not getting it. Or if it's like one of those things where, He's not like willing to just pull the trigger and do it himself. Um, or I, like I don't know what the situation is because once again, like Film right is is really good and very knowledgeable and they're amazing at what they do and they teach. Um, but it's like you you hear him talk about trying to make his film for like years now, and he's like, oh, I'm waiting on this, I'm waiting on that, I'm waiting on that. And like in my experience, it's like, okay, man, but like you've already proven with your YouTube channel that you know what you're doing and you have the expertise to do it. So it's like, just get out there and do it, you know? Yep. Right. So.
2: You know, you you hear about guys like, you know, Ryan Conley, or there's another one, uh, Mike Petchy off of uh, In Love with the Process podcast. He, You know, he made uh, 12KM, which is a brilliant looking short film. And he's out there, you know, hustling, trying to get the funding as well. And it's kind of depressing because it's like you're looking at these guys going, man, if they can't get the funding... (laughs) How do I stand a chance of getting? I no fun? I, I
0: honestly I try to ignore <laughs> all of that. I'm yeah. I uh I I try not to go down like the the rabbit hole of like self doubt because I it's 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 hard not thinking about it to begin with, but it's even harder to get out of it. Yep. And so it's like I just try to avoid that because I mean if if like if you even have an inkling of a doubt like oh, i'm never going to be able to make this i'm never going to be able to do this um like when life gets hard and you're on set and you're like in your 12 hour filming and you're just like let's just quit let's just go home like we'll, we'll pick it up tomorrow we'll do this or we'll shoot it next week and then next week never comes like and the project just sits there unfinished like i don't even want to have that mentality like I, I want to finish every single project I do, which so far I have, and um, I, yeah, I try to avoid that negative thinking as much as I can, or, or when I think of it, um, I try to remind myself that there are outliers out there where, you know, you look at people like Tarantino who sold his first script for $30,000 and then ended up turning around and using that money to make Reservoir Dogs, like... I mean, there are those outliers out there. There are people that are very successful. Um, I mean, I even know industry professionals who literally have made, like, a short horror film. And Sony Studios was immediately like, hey, you're going to come work for us because it was that good. So there are outliers out there. It's just, like, you, you, you have to be realistic, but you also... Like you can't focus on the negative because like I understand I, I can't remember like what the actual stat is but it's like less than 1% of filmmakers actually make it to like a Spielberg Tarantino level level which I don't even want to be at like I'm perfectly okay with just being a full-time filmmaker. So even if I'm that filmmaker where you watch the movie and you're like, oh, that was good. I wonder who made it. And then you see my name and you're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> like I'm okay with being that guy. Like I'm totally okay with being that guy. <laughs>
2: <coughs> We've had.
0: So by the way, I, I apologize. I'm not sure if you can hear my uh, my wife and daughter, but they just got home, so they're downstairs. Getting oh, you're set fine.
1: Up. You're fine. Well, that's okay.
0: How am I she's she's probably probably missing dad. I have quite the daddy's girl on my hands. so
2: So, um yeah, we've we've had those conversations, you know, trying to stay out of the self doubt rabbit hole as you put it. And turning point for us, I think, is we decided we're just gonna do our thing. And Uh you know, what happens, happens. Um like you mentioned, there are the David Sandbergs out there who make a two minute short film, and next thing you know what they're doing, Annabelle and Shazam, but you can't bank on that they're kind- of, you know the the unicorns that only come along once every mm-hmm. so often, and you can't bank your career on it, so just do what you love, put out there what you want to put out there, and if it happens, it happens i mean that's that's the way we approach mm-hmm. it now and look at it and
1: um and I think if even if you think you're waiting for the the million dollars to come in for your funding. Don't bank on that either. And if you've got the skills and if you got the, the equipment, you know, sometimes you can just do it by without the million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. We
2: actually do have a film that's out for trying to get funds right now. A producer's out trying to raise funds for it. Um, but we're not waiting around for it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. if that project goes, it goes, you know, we're hoping But while that's out there, now we're also writing and looking at smaller budget films that we can do on our own. And if that happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, hey, we're already knee deep in this other project that we're going to have this out soon. And it's always just keep moving forward, keep working and doing your thing. Now, I do want to get back to the horror genre. Um, (laughs) You had an award-winning... I can't say it. Award-winning film, and I we mentioned it earlier. The Entity,
0: two now, two now. <laughs>
2: um But right. this one was in Indie Social because the, yeah,
0: so- the first one was Hollow Walls. Okay, so okay. Yeah.
2: Indie Social had a Halloween film online film festival type thing, and both of our mm-hmm. films were in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Ours was Tea Party, yours was The Entity, and and I was thinking yours should win. <laughs> I saw yours and I go, oh, wow. And um, I was like, Michael needs to get every award because that is a great film. And uh, I was really impressed with it. And um, can you tell us a little bit about that film?
0: Yeah, so that was uh, kind of a, a more of a Kevin Isaacson experience. <laughs> or, uh, experience. I, I was literally driving in my car on my way to work and had this idea for this short horror film. Um, and yeah, I just I, I knew I wanted to make something pretty short But it was getting around the Halloween time So it was kind of like, oh, maybe I can make a, a short horror film And release it around Halloween and uh, go that route uh, and So that's kind of what I did I, I literally just got on Iowa Film I, I made a, a casting call on there um, Everyone that ultimately ended up being in it approached me on iowa film uh and so yeah it was very it was very quick like uh i think from when i posted the casting call to like actual filming it was only like a month month and a half later um which there were some script changes uh i talked about it a little bit on indie social Uh, but the i knew i wanted like an old classic car um and initially in the script uh, everything is the same that you see on screen until you hear her scream and Ricky goes, do you have someone trailing us? Initially what it was supposed to be was like a thud in the back of the truck. And Ricky's like, you have someone in the trunk," And he's like, she is. So he slowly gets out of the car, goes to the back of the trunk, pulls his gun and is going to like basically handle the business kind of thing. And then when he opens the trunk, she leaps out, jumps on him, turns him. And then she walks up to Maddie's character and goes, and her line in the film goes slave, good slave, still hungry. And so basically it was like, she had used Maddie at that party that he explains when he's talking to Ricky Uh, she had left him alive on purpose to get more food. Technically Uh, problem we ran into is that we had a convertible and it doesn't have a (laughs) truck. So we had literally on the shoot ideas of, okay, we can do the script to the same up until this point, but then we can't have her in the truck. So what should we do? And then we came up with the ending that you see in the actual film um uh, but yeah it was it was a really easy shoot um that we we met up at like eight o'clock at night nine o'clock at night um and i told everyone i was like you guys are going to be done by midnight and they're like no way and i was like yep you're going to be done by midnight and i think literally we wrapped shooting at like 1203 <laughs> so it was it was a really quick quick shoot so
2: you gotta love that rewriting on set we've we've done that quite mm-hmm. a bit <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's not the most enjoyable thing, but it's uh it's it's fun to work through in the yeah. the actual long run of things, I I guess I can say.
2: On uh on our short film that we're putting out right now, pre existing, it's a comedy. And as we were filming it, all of a sudden I'd start seeing areas for hey, let's put this joke in and then I'd tell the cast mm-hmm. the joke and then they would perform it. But it was like yeah, we were rewriting it as we were going. Hey, Let's add, let's add this joke now or this little uh, skit to it. and So, yeah, we're kind of rewriting on set. Well, we did
1: a little bit of rewriting with uh, The Most Forgettable Man, too, <laughs> yeah. as we were filming.
2: Yeah, the entire hand dryer, yeah. that was all on set rewriting. <laughs> that was improv, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one was Dylan would say, hey, how about we do this? And then I go, "Oh, that's great. Now, on top of that, after he does that, why don't he, let's have him do this." And then somebody else would say, "Well, then let's have him do this after that." And it was just It was supposed to be like a really quick scene. Yeah, but it kind of snowballed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um now you write and direct do mm-hmm. you act or so do fun. you act or anything like that? Do you, do you get out in front of the camera? Um I
0: have I have um I acted in, like, plays and musicals in high school. Um, I never really thought or had any ambition, like, oh, I'm going to be a famous actor. I never had that. I just enjoyed it, so I did it in high school. Um, And then, so, like, we did the 48-hour film challenge for Iowa Film, um, and Kevin Thorne actually came up with an idea and he ended up directing it, but he asked me if I would act in it. So I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm in that, uh, which is literally just me the entire time, which was pretty fun, but also dreadful for me. Cause every time, like when I watched it all the way through, like it looks really good. Kevin definitely did a good job, but I'm just like, Ugh. so I, I, um, I think I would probably make a better, like, villain or just like crusty war veteran and something more than like do something other, like other than that. But, uh, uh, I have, I've also have been in commercials and, uh, promotions. I did the gear rental promotion for bus stop Productions. If you've ever seen that. No, I haven't. So bus stop started a gear rental, uh, thing which they do uh they wanted a facebook video to market it so i wrote the script for it and then kevin and i filmed it but it's uh i'm sure you've seen them pop up because they're everywhere in facebook but like the uh, was it uh, the sasquatch like soap
1: oh yeah Squ- dr squatch
0: yeah dr squatch so like if you've seen his commercials where he's like man are you using generic soap yeah I feel so sorry for your balls. <laughs> like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, the so we, so like the, we, uh, we, we poopers. took that concept, but like we did it for like the gear rental. So it's a lot of just like quick one-liner jokes. Like it's supposed to be ridiculous. It's supposed to be funny. It's so like, yeah. I, I have done stuff like that. I've, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of projects I've seen on Iowa film where I was intrigued and I was like, man, I think. I think I would really do a good job with that role or something like that. But, uh, between now having a daughter who's, uh, almost a year and a half and everything else, like, uh, which I can't complain, uh, cause I have actors act for me free all the time, but asking my wife, Hey, can I take, you know, the next three Saturdays off to act in a film for no money? That's kind of a hard sell <laughs> for her when I have a, a one and a half year old. So, there, there's a few roles that I, I wish I would have just auditioned for. But like I said, between working on my own projects and uh, making sure that uh, the home for is taken care of, it's kind of hard for me to get out there and do it. But I think maybe if someone offered me like a two-minute cameo where I was only gone for an hour, I could probably do that.
2: I, I, I <laughs> think yeah. that's a hint. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, take it, take it or leave it, Kevin.
2: I to come to North Iowa for two minutes? <laughs>
0: well, if you're in Osage, you're not that far away. You're only like an hour and a half away from me.
2: Oh, I'm actually, yeah, I'm wearing my Osage sweatshirt tonight. But, uh, yeah, we actually live about 45 minutes west of there. This is from when I coached softball in Osage. I was actually oh, yeah. a person. Yeah, you're not that so, far
0: away. Yeah. Now, if you would have said, like, yeah, if you want to come over to Sioux City, I'd be like, <laughs> Yeah. That's kind of a haul. Osage is no problem. I'll go to Mason City afterwards and get a beer. There you go. There
2: you
1: go. Well, you could just go to Osage and get a beer because I got a brew pub there.
0: Yeah. I'm a big connoisseur of craft beer if you can't tell by now.
1: I've noticed that you
0: like hot sauces too. Hey, don't don't even get me started (laughs) on hot sauces. Yeah. I was just telling no, my wife like the other day, my, my new, uh, my new dream, my, my next fulfillment in life to be on the
1: hot ones. Well, <laughs> yes, but,
0: but no, um, my new, my new fulfillment is for someone to come over for like dinner or something mm-hmm. just randomly and go, Hey, do you have any hot sauce? Cause they have no idea what world they're about to like explore, yeah. like <laughs> Like speaking of hot ones, I have the classic, the Los Calientes and the Last Dab in my fridge right now. I saw I, I have, saw a picture of the last dab on. Yeah, that. I have like all of the um what is it? Like pretty much every single one. I wanna call it is it Lanas? But I have like all of them, like just miscellaneous hot sauces. I made my own hot sauce this summer. Like you do not want to get me down the road <laughs> of hot sauces, so Wow, And like, this is how much, this is how much of a psychopath I am. So (laughs) when I come, when I come home from work because I'm a masochist and I like torturing myself, I will make a bowl of like ramen noodles. If I'm feeling lazy and I will take sriracha because obviously sriracha and ramen is like a pivotal go-to. If you're going to eat chicken ramen, you have to have sriracha in it. I will do like three laps around the bowl of sriracha and then I will take the last dab. I will shake it up, and I will put like ten more drops in the middle of that. I will stir it all up, and it is amazing. It is super <laughs> hot, but it is amazing. And then I literally die the next two days afterwards.
1: Yeah,
0: I do too usually. Yeah. So yeah, big big hot sauce. <laughs> well, that's cool. Wait, Don't get me started. We,
2: we could start it. We could start another <laughs> podcast
1: the hot sauce podcast heck yeah man we could we could do our own version of the hot ones
0: <laughs> yeah i'll just start making hot sauces and then i'll i'll like i'll mail them to you or we can find a beating spot yeah there we can, go we can you can try them. my hot sauces and tell me how good they are and then the ones you don't like you can totally shit on <laughs> heck yeah <laughs> sounds like a good idea
1: with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
2: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
0: <laughs> yeah, get us wind, around, wind us back around, I'll, Kevin. I'll try I'll, I'll try. I'll try. Uh, Good. Take the take the director role from us.
2: Get this thing under control here a little bit. Um. <laughs> so you do a lot of writing. You actually, I saw you had some screenplays for sale, which you can plug them now if you want. Yes, I do,
0: and I, I actually have this right here. Ooh. The Dead Man Walking OG oh, script. Okay. So it is. It was ready to go. Now, I,
2: that just looked like Dead Man Walking script.
0: I it was. I didn't
2: see the. No. That was.
0: <laughs> this was. This the is. Idea. This is. This is version one. <laughs> anyway, I, I got a red pen too, which will make Kevin happy. No, what, what
2: What would make me happy is if you wrote it in crayon. There's <laughs>
0: the. There you the. Go. the. <laughs> Yeah, that was left over from our table read uh, that we did a couple of weeks ago. So. so,
2: I saw on Facebook you posted about all these ideas that you're getting, and like, like I mentioned, you're putting the, some of these scripts up for sale. How do you come up with so many ideas? How do you stay so prolific in in your writing? It's
0: a it's a sickness, man. <laughs> it's a sickness. Like I, it's after a, a Talib, uh, hot sauce. Like um, I've got an it's, like, <laughs> it's it's literally it's the stupidest shit. Honestly, like. I will overhear a conversation or something like not eavesdropping like rudely, but I will just overhear a conversation Then it'll give me an idea for a music scene. And so, or a music scene, it'll give me idea for like a movie scene or like a film scene. And then that one scene that I have like a two minute scene will be like, well, now how do these characters get there? And then I have to figure out how they get to that scene. And then it's like, well, what's the conflict and resolution? And I have to continue writing it to the end. So all of it is just like really dumb stuff. Or like I will hear a song that I'll picture like a shootout in like in my head. And then I'm like, oh, now I really want to use this song, but now I need to write a movie that has a shootout in it. And then it's like, it it's nonstop, man. <laughs> it's, it's a sickness. Like I, I shouldn't be complaining because I feel like most filmmakers that write and film are complaining about like writer's block or something. But for me, it's just nonstop, just a hundred percent. Always, my brain is like thinking. Like there's times where I've had to be like, "Hey, man, you're focused on the Dead Man Walking now. Like you can't start any more projects." And I already have sixty pages of another feature-length film written that I plan on doing after the Dead Man Walking. <laughs> so it's 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 just nonstop, hundred percent. So
2: do you outline your before you start writing or is all this just kind of sometimes your
0: pants sometimes um i came up with a well i don't want to say it's based on historical events um if i have like if i i will outline if i have an io idea based on something historical or if i um, like I'll, I'll give you an example. So, um, a feature length film I'm still writing, which I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make until I was already somewhat established or had a big enough budget to do it. Cause it is quite expansive if I was going to try to achieve it. Um, but basically, so do you guys, are, I mean, we were talking about like machine gun Kelly, but are you guys familiar with like the St. Valentine's day massacre yep. in Chicago? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what I didn't realize is that like I think I think it was twelve or thirteen people that got shot, but like one of them was just a, an eye doctor that hung out there. Like he wasn't a gangster. Like he was. He had nothing to do with like the mob, other than like he occasionally borrowed money from them to gamble or something like that. Like, but it was like very innocent. So I had this idea where it was like, okay, I'm gonna write a feature length film completely based around this eye doctor this optometrist where like it takes place during prohibition so like you have that um and you have some conflict where uh like some of the ideas i came up with were like say he has a wife and kid and she knows that the guy that's his friend is bad news and he's in the mob but You know, and she's kind of pressuring him, like, you know, hey, you're a father now. Like, you can't be out all night drinking and gambling and hanging out with these guys. Like, these guys are dangerous guys. And maybe there's some backlash. And, uh, you know, maybe that day he went down to that garage where they were hanging out, he went in to tell them, like, hey, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. Like, hey, the favor you asked me to do, I can't do it. Like, I'm a father now. I have a daughter, whatever it may be. And then, gets wrapped up at the wrong time and ends up putting his hands on the wall with everybody else. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if I have a film that I need to base in history, I will make an outline of at least like dates or events that took place during that time. But if it's just original idea, I'll come up with one idea and just go. So Hmm. I also had another idea for um, Centralia, Pennsylvania um, with Like the underground coal fires and how they started, except mine was a little bit more based in Midnight Mass type style, where it's a little bit more something demonic that started the fires as opposed to just some firemen starting some trash on fire and lighting a coal vein. Um, So, I mean, if it's like based in history, I'll create an outline and kind of go step by step on... Like, hey, this date happened. This happened. This date. This happened. This date. This happened. This date. So it's kind of like basic, bait or um, like very subtly based on history, but it's not entirely historically accurate. Um, so I, on films like that, I will create an outline. But um, other than that, yeah, I just I usually just write and go. So
1: very cool. I like the sound of that first one that you had with the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I would definitely watch something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That'd be my thing. It's like this guy nobody ever knew. Yeah. It has a whole story wrapped around this guy. That sounds intriguing.
0: Yeah. Me doing research for that script was literally the only reason why I finally got a Curiosity Stream membership. Is because all of the documentaries and like YouTube documentaries and everything else that I could find, they would say 12 gangsters died and one eye doctor, but no one knows who he is. So I was like, well, who is this guy? Like, I want to know who he is. So finally, I got into Curiosity Stream and they had like a way more in depth documentary about like each member of the family, which is where I found out yes, he used to gamble. Yes, he used to owe the mob money. Like, yes, he did hang around him a little bit because he thought they made him look cool, that kind of thing. But really yeah. when they all got gunned down, he was just guilty by association. Like he had nothing to do with like the booze smuggling and the the rum running and stuff like that. He was just there. And the other um, like Capone's mob that ended up whacking him. Like they had no idea who he was. So they were like, Hey, get up against the wall with the rest of them. Like, I mean, they knew what their yeah. intent was, but so, yeah. So, I mean, wow. that's where it was like that kind of stemmed is like, you know, obviously there has been movies made about the warring mobs in the St. Valentine's day massacre, but it's like, well, what about this guy that didn't even know what was going on? Like, so, yeah.
2: So just out of curiosity, would you be happy just being a writer, if, if if you were making money at writing, would you be satisfied with just that? Or do you still have the, the directing bug as well that you feel you'd like to direct? I don't know? think
0: so. No, I don't, I don't think so. Like, um, if I sold a script, obviously I would be happy. And like my only stipulations where it's like if I did sell a script to, you know, even a big budget or lower budget company, I would be like, well, I still would like to keep my, you know, written by title Um, but other than that you know make any tweaks you want you know make it fit work with what you have um but yes i would ultimately end up end up using that money to go towards filmmaking because a lot of the feature length films that i've written like i'm so close to that i'm afraid that if i would sell them to somebody else i would be like no 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 that is not how i wanted that to look in my head (laughs) so it's just one of those things where i'm like i like I, I need to do it I'm sorry So Like the short films That I've written That I, I, I am selling Or I mean even Like I, I've said Like on Indie Social Like If, if a DMAX student Or like a Hawkeye student Or like a film student Approached me And was like I just want to make A short film And Like I just want a good Script to like start off on, I would give it to them. Like, I'm not going to charge them for something like, like a six page script. I'm not going to charge them. Uh, but if it's like one of my longer ones or, you know, it's someone who has a reputation already in the industry, I might be like, give me a hundred bucks, give me 200 bucks, you know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, for the most part, like, I'm not invested in them, so I don't necessarily care who makes them. But yeah, especially with, like, the dead man walking in my my next script, which is called Slight. I'll give you that much. Uh, that's a feature-length film that I'm already 60 pages in because I'm a lunatic. <laughs> um, I, I, those are way too close to home for me to be like, yeah, I'm not going to trust anyone to, to do these but me. And I actually started um, the intro scene for another feature-length film that I got an idea from um, called Iron Banks. Uh, And that one's going to be, the only thing I'll say about it is it's going to be a very, very brutal, intense film uh, when and if it ever gets made. Um, It'll definitely probably have the most gore out of any film I've ever made. Um, I mean, the first scene of the film is a older mob boss getting his neck cut in a barber shop, like from ear to ear just totally getting taken out by uh, a younger captain if you will and so it's going to be one of those very gritty dirty realistic films when it comes out but that's that's years away so yeah
2: i i know the feeling of when you're writing a script though it's you can tell as you're writing it i'm okay giving that or giving this one away or selling it this one I want to stay attached as a director. And yeah, you can really sense that as you're going through the script and writing it, how close you are to the material.
0: And backtracking a little bit, I will say this is a perfect example. So I, when I get my hair and my beard trimmed, I go to the local barber shop named Butler and sons. And the last time I was there my barber said, Hey, if you ever make a movie with a barber scene in it, I want to be in it. So what he said literally sparked that idea for that intro scene of that Older mob guy getting his neck cut, and then the younger guy basically taking over and being like, "This is my town now," and then setting the presidents for like the rest of the film. So, like that, I guess there's an example for you of how my head works. Like he was just like, "Like yeah, if you ever want to shoot in the barbershop, like go for it." And then I was like, "Well, now I want to shoot in the barbershop." So, then, <laughs> like, so then I was like, so then yeah, then it was like, "Well, now I need to write a scene that's in a barbershop." So.
2: Is your wife ever scared about what actually runs through your head sometimes?
0: <laughs> no. Um, either one, I don't tell her, or two, she knows I'm a big enough baby where she doesn't care. <laughs> so,
1: do you have a do you have somebody that you go you go for special effects and stuff? Do you have a go-to person for that?
0: I have someone for like uh, makeup, special effects. Um, her name is Becca Voss. And I would seriously recommend both of you if you need someone to do bullet holes or like half a face being ripped off. She is your Iowa person to go to. Um, I don't know how she, since she's a friend of mine, I will be honest. She only charges me for like the cost of products that she needs, which is great. Um, So I don't know if she would extend the favor to you guys or not, but Becca (laughs) Voss is by far the best like special effects makeup artist in the area. Um, she did the zombie and hollow walls. Like she literally made it look like Megan had her whole cheek ripped off. And just like um, she did um, Stephanie and uh, the entity with the, the she actually bought um, it's not like vampire teeth, like a Halloween store that you put in. She actually bought indents and then spirit gummed to her oh, wow. original, like her already existing teeth. Um, Mm -hmm. and then put, had the blood red contacts in and, um, did all the blood and everything like that. Um, and so she is just wicked good. And she, um, like long story short, I, my college job was, I worked at Lowe's when I was going to school, just part-time and she worked in paint and she asked me what I did out of work one time. And I told her I'm getting into filmmaking and she's like, cool, I do special effects makeup for fun never worked on a movie set nothing so she's like yeah you can if you check out my facebook like you can see some of the work i've done and i was like where have you been like she had she just had like things like uh hey uh i made it look like someone cut my throat and then like took a selfie and it's like literally just like her whole throat like leaking blood and just looking lacerated and i was like like, you did this yeah. for fun? So, yeah, I actually made her a deal. Uh, if if I end up selling uh, the dead man walking for, like, a, a pretty good number, um, I would like to put her through special effects makeup uh, school myself and just pay for it because she deserves to go uh, completely. Wow. So Very cool. Um, so- yes, I'm also trying to get her a job, so if you need some help.
1: <laughs> there you go. Okay. For everybody out there,
0: at- Becca Voss, You can, her name, you can find her, her on out. Facebook under my mutual friend. She's absolutely great. I think her okay. her Facebook itself um, is called Damaged Effects. Yes, Damaged Effects. Okay. Okay. So, and ironically, the F- picture we have is when we won F- Best F- Monster. <laughs> um, I gave her the trophy because she totally deserves it. <laughs> oh. So that was us at Lowe's. Me giving her the. <laughs> The, the trophy because she she still works there, but um,
2: so everybody take,
0: take yeah, note so th- of this that. is like this is this was her Halloween costume which I know it's not the best over the camera but that's just like she did on the fly. Oh wow! So she uh, she but, is certainly good at what she I, does. I so. will
2: tell the listening audience it looks very cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It, it's a little grainy, very but it, she. Check, check out damaged effects on, on, on Facebook. You'll find okay. it. Cool.
2: So where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? What are you looking to, what are you looking to do?
0: Um, Well, I would definitely like to be on the Graham Norton show at some point. Oh uh, yeah. Possibly hot ones. <laughs> uh, yep. No, I mean, obviously that's the goal. Like I would love to just get into you know, the big budget filmmaking, but realistically I would like to just be a full time filmmaker. Um, whether I'm making millions or, you know, the $50,000 a year I am now, like, I just want to be able to make original and creative things full time. That's what I would like my job to be. So, Here's
2: a cool. question that was posed to us. And I just thought of it as you we were talking about those goals there is how do you think or do you think we could create the infrastructure in the Midwest to, to support filmmaking careers like that? Do you think that could ever happen or what has to happen mm. to make that become a reality?
0: As far, like, as far as, um, I want to say, like, a legal or, like, technical standpoint with, like, the business side of making that happen, um, I'm not 100% sure what it would take. Like, I know, I know the history of Iowa's downfall because uh, we used to have a big film um, kind of hub in the state of Iowa, uh, and then the state actually found out that they were, like, they were either embezzling or, like, laundering money. And so Iowa was like, yep, that's it. And they basically disbanded like the entire Iowa film industry
1: forever and ever. Basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so like, I know like for something like that to happen again, I don't know. I mean, maybe a petition to like the Senator or something being like, Hey, it's a new generation now. Give us a chance. Um, I I don't really know about that. Um, but I, 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 guess I would say with the, the Iowa film community, Um, from what I've just witnessed personally is like uh, try to give everyone a chance and like support each other the same I noticed very quickly that the uh, Iowa film industry at least the way it is can be very clicky and if you're not in that click you tend to feel chastised or like you don't belong and I feel like that could discourage some filmmakers Um, I'm stubborn and kind of a big enough asshole to where I don't care and I'm just going to do what I want Um, But I would say like, you know, try to give, you know, try to reach out to everyone and um, like quit staying in your comfort zone and like reach out and work with other people. Because I feel like every time, you know, I experience, like I haven't had any bad experiences with the Iowa film scene. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, but like, I, I do feel like it's very clicky, like the same people tend to work together all the time. Um, it's always the same individuals coming out with the same films, uh, involving the same people. And like, I understand to a certain extent, you want to work with people that you know and trust, but it's like, at the same time, like, don't be afraid to like reach out or like accept people into your group uh you know even if you're not working directly with them like if you've never worked with them before just be like hey come on set see what we do uh see what you think um and then like go from there so like i guess the advice right now is just try to like be accepting of everyone um try not to be you know jealous or intimidated or you know whatever the reasons might be you might try to shut someone out but like try to work together because I feel like the only way we could get back to that level uh, before the state kind of shut us all down in like the early 90s is um, like doing it together as one community so
2: because we we recently had Victoria Tanley on the show and she's an editor from Duluth, Minnesota and she makes a living, Mm -hmm. I mean this is her full-time gig and um, a lot of that comes from having that those tax incentives and bringing more films into the area and and incentivizing hiring, you know, the filmmakers in the Duluth area for films there. And it would be really nice if we had something like that to bring more opportunities to the filmmakers. And uh, I totally agree with your concept of opening things up and working with different people. Uh, Our first few films, it was, we basically made films with our group because I think it was, we didn't really realize well, because, what was going on in yeah, the rest of the exactly. state, <laughs> you know, until we started yeah. getting out into the we film had festivals no idea. Yeah, we had no clue. We are like, are we the only ones doing yeah. this? And then we went to an Iowa <laughs> film festival. It's like, Obviously not. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
1: yeah.
2: we're not the only ones and we have to step up our game. <laughs> but you know, since then, yeah. you know, we've, we've worked with Dylan Yeager and we just did a film with yeah. um, uh, Michael and Brittany uh, we uh, collaborated on pre-existing and, and we're trying to reach out more and it's it's a little tougher for us because we're we're up in the great northlands of northern sticks. iowa you know the northern i feel sticks. bad asking people to drive across the state for free uh but we will be reaching out more and we have been talking to yeah. people
0: and i mean but uh, we all do but i mean it it is what it is um that is one thing that is good about the Iowa film community is you do have a lot of people that are willing to work for free and do things, uh, just to get experience, or get their name out there. Um, I've always told anyone that's ever worked with me is like, you know, Hey, if you guys do a good job for me when you're not making any money, like I'm going to want to see what you do when you are getting paid. Uh, and so most of the people that I've worked with, um, you know, I will call back or I will write specific roles for them. Um, But then, like I said, that's also not forgetting of extending an olive branch and working with people you've never worked with before. So I do understand why it's kind of clicky in certain areas. Cause I mean, you've kind of found your talent pool, but it's like, just, I guess maybe not act like you're in a click. (laughs) Like, like, Oh, if you're not from Dubuque or Cedar Rapids or Des Moines or something like that, like we don't want to work with you. It's like, no, yeah, I mean, like, give everyone a chance. Yep. Like, the Iowa Film is Iowa Film statewide. Yep. So,
1: our friend Frank Boyd uh, is basically doing that now. He's he's been involving himself or not involving himself, but he's been auditioning for roles all over the state. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's really been branching out. So
2: yeah, he's been really busy. It's,
1: yeah. Yeah, he really has. So good for him.
0: Yeah. And what was his name one more time?
2: Frank Boyd.
1: Frank
0: Boyd. Frank. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to keep it in my mental list. So. Yeah.
2: He has it in his contract. He has to die in every film. So I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I was <laughs> going to say, I have, I have no issues with killing him in the first five minutes. Oh, oh please do. Oh, oh please sure. do. <laughs> that would be funny. Frank frank's something, laughing at and this. something embarrassing
1: too yeah i'm sure
2: <laughs> so this next question uh, i think i know one of your answers but who are some of your filmmaker influences
0: uh i mean obviously very much tarantino um not so much the dialogue, because there's only one Tarantino. And I feel like if you try to write dialogue like Tarantino, you're gonna fail miserably, and everyone's gonna know it because you're trying to be like Tarantino. Yep. Um, but I like I at least like his story structure. I like the the odd. The not so chronological time signatures that he has, obviously, most famously Pulp Fiction, things like that. Uh, but then I also really like the stuff he does, like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it is just more of a day in the life kind of story. Um, so his overall structure and then storytelling is 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 really good. Um, visually, I've always been uh, a David Fincher fan. Um, I'm a big fan of his color grading, um, Fight Club, Seven. Oh, yeah. All of some of my favorite movies. Um, Andrew Dominic, if you've ever heard his name. uh, He is the guy that did Killing Them Softly.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. With Brad Pitt. And then the guy that's in uh, Sopranos is also in it. Um, but then even before that, he did, because uh, he's from Australia, um, he did a, uh, a movie called Chopper. And the only place I know that you can actually watch it is YouTube. So it's not the best quality, but you'll get the hint of it. But it stars Eric Bana. Um, and think of Chopper like Australia's version of uh, Bronson, like from the UK. He was like this like notorious inmate that just like – you could not control him. Um, So it's kind of Australia's version of Charles Bronson, uh, but it's called chopper. And it's, it's amazing. Um, They have a scene and it's really cool, but they have a scene in chopper where everyone's doing like cocaine. And what he does is he keeps the dialogue, the same speed, but he speeds up the footage. So everyone's kind (laughs) of like moving, like twitching around like this, but it's like showing the side effects of their cocaine use. But then and killing them softly, he has like a heroin scene, and he like slows everything way down and uses like these bokeh effects, and so it was like beautifully done there. Uh, but then he's most famous for directing uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert oh, Ford.
2: Okay. Yep,
0: that that was yep. his that was his I guess uh, kind of foot in the door in Hollywood at least. But um, yeah, that's like I'm a big fan of Andrew Dominic. Um I can never remember his name, and it's really depressing because he literally directed my all-time favorite movie, which is Children of Men. I think that movie is perfect in every single way. Um, Which I can never remember his name. I want to say his last name is, like, Curran, or Kurt. Hold on. (laughs) We'll
2: we'll play the Jeopardy music here as uh, Michael... uh Searches for the name of this director. I director.
0: Have too many movies. For me.
1: <laughs> Children of Men. Ugh.
0: Yes, Children of Men. If you have not, so yes, it is Quran. Uh, Alfonso Quran. If you have not seen this movie with Clive Owen, it is a masterpiece. Um, it is by far my favorite movie of all time. So I think I've seen that movie too. The ca- a matter of um, the
2: camera work where that the car is backing up and the motorcycles mm-hmm. is coming after it. That's yeah, it's amazing. actually
0: if you watched uh, if you watch the special features, they actually built that car mm-hmm. and the the camera is basically on a slide that just rotates around the car. And what's really cool is there's certain scenes where it will go from the front seat. To the back seat, and the person in the passenger seat, in the front has to tilt their seat back, let the camera go over, and then tilt it back up. <laughs> so, like they choreographed this whole scene, which is one continuous scene, but it's oh my god! Yeah, like I mean, amazing. the whole movie is just that whole movie is just beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful. So yes, even though I'm a big Tarantino fan, this movie right here, my all time favorite movie,
2: and that was yeah. Children of Men. But, yes
0: because i mean even michael like i mean if, if you're I a, a, Tino, a tarantino found. fan because you like his like witty dialogue and like kind of the sense of humor in it like michael kane's character jasper like has that sense of humor in the movie so it's not just dark the entire time but like michael kane's character like you do laugh like you're kind of like oh this is a really funny movie and like, yes absolutely brilliant
2: i was just gonna look because um, it seems like he's done some other movies that
0: um He did The Little Princess. Okay. Where her dad goes off to World War One, gets amnesia, she's like in an orphanage, she's like a secret garden. I haven't seen it in years, but <clears throat> <clears throat>
2: Well, I'll have to i have to take a look. It's not real exciting podcast material for me to be
0: looking at IMDb <laughs>
2: pro there, but um you're talking about the, the cocaine and how everybody kept mm-hmm. speaking normal, but they were speeding up the camera. It reminded me of, I watched Werner Herzog, his masterclass. And mm-hmm. he talked about, and I, I don't remember the name of the film that he was doing, but they basically hypnotized the entire cast. And then they would perform hypnotized in the film. So it gives us really odd, surreal action That's that the, awesome. the cast is going through and it's just really weird and, and they showed some clips in the master class and it's just like really weird but when you're, no, ta- I like it. When you're I mean, talking about but, that it and then me obviously
0: it. we've been yeah and, and I, I guess going back to your question just to finish up i mean obviously with my talk of mob and gangsters and things like that obviously big scorsese fan um Fra- ford francis Coppola, Kubrick. i mean there's like I'm I'm influenced by pretty much every director that you might have heard of. Like so I'll, I'll take little bits from each person that I like. Uh but I mean if I really had to give my top three, it would probably be Tarantino, Scorsese, and Andrew Dominic is like my biggest influences. So
2: good set there. Good set.
0: All right. Top three films. Well, you already know number one. Once again, I will Children of men. Children of men. Okay. <laughs> Children of men. Yeah. Number one. Uh, number number two is a toss up for me, honestly. Um, and so I'll let Kevin be the decider of this because mm. this will be my second and third. So <laughs> I would say Ingorious Bastards" is when Tarantino was really at his meta, but I can't help but like "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood" more.
2: Mm. So.
0: I'm going to let Kevin decide which one he likes better out of those two because those would fall in like the second or third place
2: spot. Hmm.
0: Well, Kevin's been really talking
1: about once upon a time. Yeah, I him,
0: so. I'm and for sure. me, I'm, I, I'm going to give the, the reason why I'm letting Kevin decide is because I am a sucker for the genre. Like anything in like the 50s, 60s, like that era – uh, like I, I will say this another one of my favorite movies is Apollo 13, not because of how well done it is, or it's based on a historical event but because I love the sixties. Like I just right. love that era. So that's kind of why it's hard for me is because like, I want to say, like, Ingorious Bastards, because it's like, it's a perfect movie. It's super well done. Everyone, like, there are film students that learn to this day based on the intro scene with Hans Landa and that French family, and then also the bar scene on how to build tension. So, like, I mean, it's yeah. beautifully done, like a master class film. But then at the same time, I'm also a sucker for the 60s. So there's like a big part of me that's like, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So so whatever Kevin said he likes more that's what we'll go with. Okay. And Mike 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 you can weigh in too if you disagree. I
1: have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood but I've seen Inglorious Battle.
2: I did read the book too that's, so so I
1: would say number 2 on that. Um
2: my thought on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is when I left the theater I thought that was my favorite Tarantino movie.
0: Um I had that same feeling, but then when you think back about his resume, you're exactly. like, exactly.
2: And as you get some distance from the movie mm-hmm. <sighs> between those two, I have to go with inglorious bastards solely for the fact of that beginning scene. Cause that was such mm-hmm. an influence on me and just blew me away. I watched that and I was just enthralled with it. And when it switched to another scene, I looked at my watch goes, man, we've been watching the film for about 25 minutes already. And it was just that one scene, but I've been totally engrossed yeah. in it. It didn't seem like that long. And just the little subtle things going on in that scene just thoroughly impressed me. So I'm going to have to say inglorious bastards. Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm going to create some controversy here and say <laughs> my favorite Tarantino movie is actually Django unchained.
0: <laughs> I do like really? Django. I wouldn't say it is as Best by any means, I think. I think it's great. I wouldn't say it is best. I would actually say I prefer Hateful Eight over Django.
2: Hateful Eight's really good. too. Um,
0: <laughs> but I, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're all, all really good. good. Like because because it, really then it's like, well, what about Kill Bill one and two? You're like, ah, oh, fuck. So yeah. or like, I mean, Jackie Brown is an amazing yeah. movie. Um, I really think, like, I don't know. I, I would have to agree with you now that I think about it. Is like, yes, I love. The 60s. Yes, I love the story of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the Ultimate Timeline. Uh, but with Ingorious Bastards, like, I mean, he wrote a script in multiple languages, um, over multiple settings, multiple shoots, multiple characters, like, um, like the tension building scenes, like the one at the beginning or the tavern scene, like the tavern scene itself too, is like 45 minutes. And like, when you get done with it, you're like, wait, that was 45 minutes, but it's just <laughs> yeah. so good. You're like, I want to keep watching. Like, yeah. don't leave the tavern. Just stay there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta give it to him. I would say, yeah, we'll say glorious bastards, number two, for sure.
2: You know, when, when right. I uh, go through Tarantino's movies, they, when I say one, I like one more than the other, I mean it's like splitting hairs. I mean it's that close with mm-hmm. his. Uh, and it really is, and like tomography. people like to
0: argue that Death Proof, uh, you know, part of Grand House was like his worst film, and like, yeah, okay, but like when the first set of girls are at that like bar, like where they were Kurt Russell's first introduced, I love that sequence. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I don't want that, that good. bar. Like I don't want that bar scene to end like i want to see the records keep flipping i want more drama to happen i want things to keep going and then you know obviously you can't just stay there forever so it continues on so it's like even death proof which people will say is his biggest flop or was a flop still there's things i find in that film that i really really love about that film
2: it's probably my least favorite of his filmography. I can't say it's a bad movie because mm-hmm. I still enjoyed it, but um, the thing that really stood out to me with both Inglourious Bastards and uh, Django Unchained, those Christoph Waltz, he's just mm-hmm. amazing. And he's one of my favorite actors because of those performances. And
0: yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. And I mean, if you go back, Reservoir Dogs is an amazing movie too.
0: uh, Oh, yeah. He's. Yeah. He. uh, I don't know how serious he is about this, but I heard a podcast recently with him on it where he is very powerfully drawn to redoing Reservoir Dogs. But then he keeps going back and saying, well, that would be my 10th film, and I don't want my 10th film to be Reservoir Dogs. So he. I can tell he's struggling with his decision to stop after 10 films. Um, yeah. But at the same time, he has made it very clear that he is done after 10 films. Like, like you saw, like in, in yourself, he's already writing books. He's starting to write stage plays yeah. and things like that. So unfortunately it will be sad to see him go after 10 films, but still like, cause there's been talks of Kill Bill three with um, Uma Thurman. Um, yeah, with the the girl that, uh, what's the character's name? It was Copperhead, Coppermouth? The girl um, that gets oh, stabbed um, with a knife in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah, and then her daughter grows yeah, up. Yeah, and she, she yeah. says something along the lines to her daughter, like, hey, I know you're going to hate me now, uh, and someday you, you may make me pay for it, but, like, you just don't understand what you know, with the bigger picture. So he has yeah. talked about making a kill bill volume three with that little girl taking on Uma Thurman. So
2: I, I have heard him say that uh, he would like to make a stage play version of Reservoir Dogs and also a stage play version of Hateful Eight. Because those are two or a musical <laughs> yeah, musical. Uh, those are his two films that are set up that they could very well easily be stage plays.
0: Well, how, it, how The Hateful Eight started, too, is after it got leaked, um, he just decided to do, like, a stage reading in front of an audience. And everyone liked it so much that they were like, dude, you have to fucking do this. And he's <laughs> like, fine, I'll do it. But he was initially like, no, I'm not going to do it because some dickhead leaked my script. <laughs> so uh,
2: Yeah, he's... Uh, I love him, but yeah, he, he's a That's one the thing character. I like about
0: Tarantino. It's <laughs> one thing, and see, I, I do. I say this about Tarantino is like I like that he's consistent, not only with his movies, but like just who he is as an individual. Um, he's always been kind of against the grain with just about everything and speaks his mind, which I totally respect. But one thing I've said about Tarantino is I would absolutely love to meet him and like. Have a discussion over beer or something like that. But my biggest fear is that we probably wouldn't like each other <laughs> because I, I I would be talking to him about film, and as soon as his ego kicked in, which he does rightfully have a lot of because he is good. But the problem is he knows he's good. I would be like, "Hey man, calm down!" Like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then immediately, immediately it would just be like, "Well, what do you know? I'm Tarantino. Shut the fuck up!" And then. Yeah, we probably wouldn't like each other. You've played
2: all this out in your head, haven't you? (laughs) Oh, I have. I have. Just in case. Just in case.
0: I'm already like deleting shit on my Facebook in case Sean Evans does a big deep dive into me (laughs) and everything else. Um,
2: So, uh, what other advice can you give to filmmakers out in the heartland?
0: Um, I know this is gonna sound generic as hell but i mean this would be the same advice i would give to you two is like just do it like i mean we talked about trying to raise a budget we talked about um you know different hurdles that can approach you along the way but as long as you don't let your excuses take over your mindset and just go like well I want to do it but I can't because of this or I can't because of that it's like no just just get out there and do it it doesn't matter whether you have an iPhone um, one of the things I did recently was I did a short film on my iPhone the show aspiring filmmakers that yes all you need is an iPhone um, so I mean like there's zero excuses just get out there and do something I mean even if it's like You know, even if Kevin approached me and was like, hey, do you want to make a movie with just the two of us? I'd be like, yeah, how do you want to do it? And if he was like, well, I need you to act and I'm just going to use my phone. It's like, "Okay." well, then we'll go from there. Let's come up with a script. Let's come up with some type of feasible idea that we can do. And it's like, let's just get out there and do it. And so I know it's cliche because you hear... Vloggers, You hear other filmmakers, you hear, you know, everybody under the sun going, just get out there and do it. But it's so true. Like, yeah. it's so true. Like, don't, don't go through the downward spiral self doubt, just just get out there and do it. It doesn't matter if it looks bad. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, if the audio shitty, whatever the situation is, at least you did something, at least you hopefully we'll learn from the situation regardless of how it turns out. And like, just do it. Like, just stop with the excuses and just get out. there. Just do it. I
1: think that was my advice when you first interviewed me.
0: Uh, (laughs) And I mean, and honestly, and honestly, if you do want a little bit of a confidence boost, it's like, okay, well, if you can't afford to go to film school, don't like get on YouTube, research lighting techniques, research, basic film techniques. Like, um, I mean, you don't have to get in depth. Like, if you asked me about camera angles, I could talk to you for another, I mean, we're at an hour and a half. I could talk to you for another two hours just about how to utilize Dutch angles or when it's appropriate to break the 180 rule or when it's appropriate to do a close-up or how to use... A a sequence of close-ups and medium shots To build tension between two characters That might be having an argument Like, yes, I can tell you that Because I've researched it and I've done it But it's like, just watch a YouTube video On basic shots Close-up, medium, wide Okay, there's your starting point So I know how to do a close-up, I know how to do a medium And I know how to do a wide Lighting techniques, three-point lighting All you need is a background light A foreground light and and a hair light okay well now i know how to do three-point lighting so i have three-point lighting i have my my close medium and wide okay now how do i tell my story and then you just go from there like so i mean everybody under the sun nowadays has a youtube channel trying to explain basic film techniques and most of them are saying the same thing and the reason why is because the basic film techniques are the tried and true things have proven to work so it's like if you want that confidence boost spend some time on youtube but it's like Ultimately, at the end of the day, it still falls on you to just get out there and do it
2: it's It reminds me I think I mentioned this on the show before when we were doing our very first film. I had actually bought the camera from my son who had uh bought it to do some wildlife photography <laughs> while he was out hunting and out on the trails and stuff, and I called him the first night on set. <laughs> I said, how do you turn this thing on? <laughs> you know? How do I use this thing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just jump in and you'll learn how to swim. I mean, it's mm-hmm. – all of a sudden, you know, when I started doing that, I started – oh, I ran into this or I ran into that. And like you say, you find a YouTube video. What does this mean? Uh, what does that mean? I call up other filmmakers. Okay, how do you do this? Um, and using – well, I can't afford to go to film school or I can't afford – that particular red camera i can't afford you know to do this i don't this. think anyone can afford that red <laughs> camera honestly you know, they're all just excuses and it's it's mm-hmm. reasons to procrastinate and well that's a reason why i failed because i was never i never had enough money for that camera or i never went to film school that's why i failed now the reason you failed is what? you didn't get out there and like you said just do it the technology is there when we were growing up you know, maybe you had that excuse. We we didn't have the iPhones when we were small. We didn't have, mm-hmm. you know, we had the old VCR camera, super cameras. eight millimeters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. that's what we had. But you, these days, you can't use those excuses. So
0: yeah, and I mean, it I mean it goes all tiers. I I've, I've, I've seen filmmakers make one film, didn't turn out how the way they wanted, or they didn't get the feedback they wanted, and they just stopped. It's like. It's, it's once again, like not everyone is going to be that outlier. Like if if you would have asked me, Hey Michael, which one do you prefer? Would you like to immediately uh, become super famous and get, you know, a deal with like Marvel where you directed the first Aquaman in this alternate timeline, or would you rather like work your way up the chain? I'd be like, fuck it. I'll direct Aquaman. Like I would have taken that at any choice ever. But the thing is, is like not everyone's, the same like you you have to like you're gonna have to get your knees dirty and roll your sleeves up like it's just like and it's going back to you know what we were talking about with like the excuses it's like you're not just going to make a film and instantly become famous like yes it happens but the odds of that happening like i feel like more more you have more of a chance of like getting attacked by a shark in the Mississippi than you do like blowing up on YouTube over one film. Like, it's just, it's not feasible. It's not realistic. So like, and maybe that's where filmmaking does kind of weed out the week. Like if you're not doing it because you love it and you just want instant success, then maybe you should give it up. But I mean, I mean, like I said, the biggest thing, like, I think we're all agreeing with is like just get out there, you know? Yeah.
1: you'll fight, figure it out whether you like it or not.
0: Yeah. Do you have a cap on the podcast usually, Kevin? Not usually. Because I want to hear more about Michael. He's been quiet. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike.
1: (laughs) What do you want to know?
0: Well, did you were were you involved in Were you involved in (laughs) filmmaking like before you kind of teamed up with Kevin? Like, were you doing your own thing or
1: no? I'm a musician. Oh yeah! So yeah, you guys no. said you
0: played in a band, and then yeah, we used to play Kevin, a band. What, was it your decision when like you kind of directed your first film? where You were like, "I need some help. I'm going to ask Mike," and then you just kind of asked yeah, him to get involved. That, or that's how
2: exactly it, how it went. Um, you know,
0: did you have him run audio, or like what did you? Yeah, have he do
2: did on? audio right away, and so he was learning that. Just playing, he was learning that at the same time I was learning how to run the camera. So it was. Yeah, I had no it idea. Was all of us learning together, <laughs> and that's what made that set so much yeah. fun. It was so loose and just. You know, we were Uh serious in the fact that we wanted to get stuff done, but it was, you know, we weren't upset at each other. We were all learning. We're all teaching each other. Hey, look what I just figured out. Look what I learned. And, you know, it's a team effort, very collaborative effort.
1: This is never, never, I have to be honest, it's never really been my dream to be a a filmmaker. Yeah, I always wanted to be a, a movie star when I was a kid and I was in theater, but I was also in musicals and I learned how to sing. And so that's. That was my that was my dream.
0: But, so I uh, mean, did Kevin start the 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 fire deep inside? <laughs> now, now you're like, I want to be a filmmaker. This is amazing. Well, I'm still here for Kevin. Basically, <laughs> you, you want to be you want to be like uh, uh, Kevin's uh, was not really a name? stooge Deacon. or lackey, but yeah,
1: you want to be Kevin's
0: uh, Deaconson. You want to just follow his career sure. path.
1: I'm just. I told Kevin. I said, I'm just here to help.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So it's yeah, it's not really. I don't really have aspirations for it, but I want to help Kevin because I know he has aspirations, and so I'll just do whatever it takes. So are
0: you, are you still wanting to be a famous movie star? Then
1: no, no, not
0: at not All at right. this age. So Kevin, here's <laughs> here's an idea. Here's what we'll do. Um, you you write an original script where Michael is my dad and I'll be the son.
2: There we go. There we go.
0: And the conflict we'll have is Michael knows everything about the music industry, and it's his way or the highway. And I'll be like, nah, man, you're old. You don't understand how rock works. (laughs) And then we'll get into some tension. Things will go down. Uh, Yeah, there you go. Your next film. I
2: have a feeling you're going to have 60 pages (laughs) of this written by tomorrow, right? (laughs) No, not me. Uh, I th- I don't know for a minute there I thought we were going into Mike's therapy session there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which one so.
0: either one <laughs> yeah I'm the- these are these are sitting here collecting deaths, so uh, if you if you want some some st- seven string action there we go there so. we go no, I'm a drummer
2: I'm the guitar player
0: well <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I have a my drummer's name is uh, Mac uh, last name book pro uh, so he does <laughs> all of my drummer. So,
2: oh yeah, drummers are a different lot. They're uh, they're strange. They're uh, when you uh, have fun by beating I'm things actually, with a stick, you know, it kind of tells a lot about yourself. So,
0: I I am actually shocked now that you told me Michael's a drummer because as we were talking this entire time he didn't interrupt or try to do something over our conversation. Like most drivers do. You,
1: you mean like that?
0: Cause like most of the time you're having a conversation, you're like, Hey, what are you tuned to? <laughs>
1: Very true. I've mellowed. True. I have mellowed.
0: Yeah. I usually always get them with like, Hey, what tuning are you into? Your snare sounds like shit. <laughs> anyways so
2: so mike do you have any more questions for michael or michael do you have any more questions for mike <laughs> uh
0: <laughs> do you want to no. be my do you want to be my dad in the next kevin isaac film <laughs> I, I will be more
1: than happy to play your dad
0: okay. i think we could pull it off i think we could you too. know actually mike yeah. looks like uh, there you go kevin you got some work yeah out I'll, I'll,
2: you. I'll write that one um <laughs> If you shave off Mike's beard and cut his hair, he actually looks like Kevin Costner, kind of. Kind of a poor man's Kevin Costner. Because he was actually in Run. If you watch Run, it's, you tell me, you watch Run and you tell me that he doesn't look like a poor man's Kevin Costner, so.
0: He's the the, the, the Dollar Tree version. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll take me. it. I'll take it. We're both wearing flannel shirts, I mean. There you go. Yeah, beards, yeah. flannel shirts. Are you sure I'm not Junior over here? <laughs>
1: Michael Junior. Michael
0: Senior. Just, just call me JR. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, All right, Kevin, you got your work yeah, cut
2: Yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people reach out to you or follow your career or check your films out?
0: Uh, mostly just Facebook. I, I will admit um, I used to have like a website and everything like that, and I've just – it was really bad about running it and updating it. and Obviously, when you're you know paying so much money a month for something you hardly use, I kind of got rid of that. So mostly just uh, Facebook or uh, my email, which is on my Facebook, or um, the Blackhawk County Productions page on Facebook has all of my information. Um, I never sleep because there's no sleep for or no rest for the wicked kind of thing. So. I mean, like I messaged you last night at like I think like ten fifteen ten thirty, um, and I was like, "Hey man, you still awake? I got a question for you about tomorrow." Nope. Uh, but yeah, I didn't go to bed that night until probably one or two in the morning. So I'm a. i am I mean, you can basically call me anytime. So.
2: Okay.
0: And I'm old school. I actually would prefer you to call me over and text me.
2: Okay, so I'll give you a call as soon as I have this written and and we're ready to roll on it. So. Yeah.
0: We'll go we'll go through. I'll give you some, some ideas, go. some recommendations.
1: Indiegogo and um, yeah.
0: Frank can be in it and we'll kill him <laughs> off in the first five minutes. Yeah, hey, I, got, I, got air air hey, I got it I got it already. Hear this out, right? So I'm trying to be a musician like my father, but I'm struggling. I'm not having success. I'm kind of an alcoholic because let's face it, my dad was kind of a piece of shit growing up, so I didn't really have a father figure. So I'm I'm driving home from a gig, kind of swerving, but since we got to put Frank in it, Frank can be in the opposing car. I'm in a drunk hit and run. I kill Frank, do some jail time. At the end of the jail time, I got to move back in with my dad, and then we have this conflict here where he's like, you don't know shit about music or life, son, and then it just goes from there, and then, yeah, there you go. Now we got Frank in it so we can kill him within the first five minutes, and then Mike and I already have some tension together, and... We have to, m- there, there you oh, go. Sounds, there you go. I already wrote great. it for you. <laughs> there we
2: go. That's the outline right there. So I'll just, I'll watch there this video. Go. There's the outline. I'll listen to this back. I, I gave,
0: I gave you the, the first maybe 20 pages. Now it's up to
1: <laughs> Pressure's on. Classic textbook <laughs> outline. Uh-huh.
2: Well, thank you, Michael, for joining us this evening on Cinematic Heartland. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to talking to you and uh, keep making the great work out there. I love your films.
0: I, I will I will try, man. The feature-length film is getting me a little nervous, but we'll, we'll make it happen. Well, so. We're
2: all pulling for you, so anxious to see it, and, and good luck with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on.
2: That concludes this episode of Cinematic Heartland. We'd love to hear from all of you out there. Just visit our website, ilikeikefilms.com, and there you'll find our email address as well as all of our social media links. Again, that's ilikeikefilms.com. And while out there, I urge you to sign up for our mailing list to keep up to date on all the latest happenings for I Like Ike Films as well as Cinematic Heartland. Now, whatever you do, wherever you are, keep creating.